It's a new day and a new year. Shout it out loud. Sing with the crowd. Celebrate, cause good things are coming. New opportunities are at the door. Hold your head up. Drop the sorrow. No regrets now. For tomorrow, it's a new chance for a new life. Everything you've been waiting for. The future's bright now as things turn over. The possibilities around the corner. New innovation with new creation. This is a, a, a very exciting time to be at Four Corners because we are going to this year be embarking and taking occupancy of a brand new facility for us. And one of the things we feel like God has deeply impressed on our minds as we've been moving in this direction for really about 24 months um, with some intentionality and in the last 12 months hardcore is it's to remember that it really is all about people. We've seen, maybe you've heard stories of churches that have gotten off track a little bit, that it seems like the building becomes the thing. Uh, we just want you to know that the story you just heard, that's our heart. Our heart is that more and more people would come to know a relationship with Jesus, that they would understand that God has tapped each of us on the shoulder and given us each a destiny and a purpose in this world, and that this place here and then the new place that we go to would be a place where that just happens in droves, where dozens and dozens and dozens of people each week are reminded of the love of God. They experience a fresh start, and then they get on the team of Jesus. Greg, when she was talking about her, her daughter there, kind of finding a place of prayer behind the seat, it reminded me very candidly of Jesus saying, when you pray, go into your prayer closet. Even at five years old, a very personal decision. Don't underestimate what God can do in the life of the children in this church. While you're sitting here right now, kids are in other rooms in this building learning about Jesus. My kids come home and tell me things that they're learning. Like last week, my John Ryan was telling me about that we need to be very careful how we talk and how we interact with people because God watches that and we can affect our relationships. Now, John Ryan's eight years old. And he's already unpacking wisdom that I don't know that I still understand, to be honest. So I think sometimes he's, he's a little bit ahead of me. Don't underestimate what can happen in a place like that. And that's why we're going to pour all kinds of money and all kinds of energy without any compromise, without any sense of apology into making something like this happen. It's going to be a very exciting time. Last week we were in the kitchen with uh, my kids who aren't as spiritual as Ben's kids. And we were, <laughs> we, were, uh, we were talking, and a similar thing happened, although it was uh, maybe a little stranger. My wife was getting on to my kids for something they did. I was probably involved. And my middle son looked at my wife and said, Mom, the Bible says not to frustrate your kids. And so <laughs> I guess that was one of the memory verses was, or something actually, yeah. like that. Yeah, so. don't provoke He's using kids. the Bible against us, but I'm not sure <laughs> that's what we're going for. Hey, a few months ago, we sat out to chat with people all over this congregation and we set you up for what we're going to talk about today. We began to ask some really important questions. Like, what if somebody came and was a part of this church for five years? Let's say, there's a, let's say you're a first-time guest today and you felt like God's moving you and your family here and you stayed with us for five years. Here's the question we ask. 
What would happen in your life? What would be a normal you know, course of events for you? What would happen over those five years? What would you become? H- how would you change? We, we begin to ask another question of people who are helping make this church happen, volunteers, leaders, surveys across the board. Some people didn't even know that we were really conducting this survey. And we ask a question like, what would be the normal experience people would have if they hung with us? What kinds of experiences would they go through that would mark different tra- changes and turns on their spiritual journey? What, what are we doing here? What is the real product? Because here's what we know, that right now, like literally right now, the next five years of leadership of this church are being raised up. That what we're doing right now is going to have impact for five, 10, 15 years. And we felt like it was very important to drill down on what God is doing here, what he wants us to be cognitively aware that he's doing here, what he wants us to you know, help partner with him in to accomplish. And so this time of investigation has just stirred our hearts in a big way and made us ask some very big, overarching, 30,000-foot view questions. And we were beautifully surprised at the kinds of responses we were hearing from people. We were hearing people say that, that they love their church, that they love what God's done in their lives. The people that have been with us for five, four, three, whatever number of times, they love what God is doing in their lives. And they were effectively saying to us, wouldn't it be great if there would be more people who have experienced this? So we've sat down as a leadership team and really went back to the blueprints. We went back to say, what did we get into this work to begin with for anyway? What does the Bible have to say about the mission of the church in a way that could speak fresh to us right now as we're about to embark on a journey that for a lot of churches has been a derailment point? How do we make sure that we keep the heart of this place and not just keep it, but actually expand it, make it more clear so that it's easier for people to do what God wants them to do, to walk the journey he wants? What would it look like if we partnered like never before to help people experience the dream that God's already put in their hearts? What if we became a place where it would be normal for every person to say, I know God has tapped me on the shoulder, that I don't just exist in this world, but I have a part to play in a story that is much bigger than me, a story that gives meaning to my everyday life, A story that speaks loud in my life so that when I go through the normal ups and downs of life, this story pulls me further along. And what if this church became known as the place in northern Cincinnati where that was a normal conversation, where that was regular and happening? So today we want to take you through three key ideas we're calling Real Love Now. It's not so much a new idea It's new words, but it's a rediscovered idea around what God is doing in this church and what he wants to accomplish. I believe, without exaggerating, that for every person in seats right now, for all of us, God wants us to experience a real love now. And I believe you have neighbors and friends and relatives, people right outside these walls, and God wants them to experience real love now. We want to unpack that for you. Just a little bit, but before we do, I want Greg to tell you a little bit more about what's been going on. Yeah, what, the interesting thing was, Ben, when we met with all the volunteers who are making the ministries happen here at Four Corners, we met in different groups at different places over a period of time. So the kids' ministry volunteers all got together with that leadership team, and the tech team got together and wore their nerdy clothes and talked about <laughs> the church and what's been going on in their lives as it relates to their volunteering here. 
the first impressions and guest services teams got together. All the different teams got together. And what I think surprised us, although it probably shouldn't have surprised us, is the same types of ideas and phrases and experiences from all the different people were coming. They were exactly the same, whether they were serving in kids, the experience was the same, whether they were serving in tech, the experience was the same, whether they were serving in outreach, the experience was the same. And there was great overlap in what people were feeling like God was doing in their hearts and in their lives as they experienced uh, the power of God uh, through four corners. And so we were, I guess, surprised, but we we're also kind of reassured that some of the things that we talked about seven years ago, over seven years ago, when we first sat down and talked about this thing that we were going to do called Four Corners, they, they were tapping back to those same impressions that God had laid on our hearts and on our lives as we started this whole thing up. And so it was, it was surprising, reassuring, and we really felt like God spoke clearly through the people in this church who had been experiencing his power and his love in this congregation. Yeah, so I want to just drill down on the word real um, for just a moment. You know, here's something that we think is true. We don't think that people are expecting perfection from a church. I don't think the people in your life are expecting you to be perfect. Now, if you have someone in your life that's expecting you to be perfect, I, you know, I guess there's a few of those. I'm really sorry. That's a tough person to be around. But while people don't expect perfection, I do think they expect authenticity. I, I think hypocrisy frustrates all of us. And we heard people say about their church, what they thought was good about their church, what they want to make sure continues about their church, what they want more in their life was, is they wanted people who were real. They wanted people who were able to come and admit their faults, and at the same time, press into what God might have for them beyond their faults. They wanted a place where they didn't feel like they had to put on a special set of clothes. They didn't have to put on a special spiritual garb. They didn't have to learn a new vocabulary. They could come and be themselves and be accepted for who they are right where they're beginning. We believe that as people spoke that, we heard echoes of biblical truth. Let me take you back real quick to a story that might surprise you. It's right in your Bible in Luke chapter 4. This is the place where Jesus meets a woman who has a very sordid past. She, she has some baggage. Um, she's in the middle of real drama. And he sits down with this woman from a little area near his hometown. This area is called Samaria. And in Samaria, the people from Jesus' area don't talk to the people from Samaria. There's a real rift like between them. She has a sordid past. She doesn't have the right pedigree. And Jesus engages her in a conversation. And the conversation quickly turns serious and real. I mean, he lays bare what's been going on in her life and surprises her with his insight and knowledge of her life. How that she has a sordid relationship she's in right now. How her entire past is checkered. And they begin to talk about, honestly... You know, what does it look like to be in a relationship with God? And I want to read for you some of these words. And these words for us hearken really you know, close to this concept. But what does it mean to be able to be real? So here, here's what it says in Luke chapter 4. A time is coming and has even come, Jesus says, when the true worshipers, there's this idea of true or authentic or real, they'll worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they're the kind of worshipers the Father wants. People who can be real, who can worship in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then the story continues, and we're told this, that many of the Samaritans from the town, when they heard about the conversation Jesus had with the woman, and what she says to the people that she's neighbors with, they know her story, 
Here, here's what happens. Many of the Samaritans from that time believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Here's what she said. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two more days in that town. And because his words were many, more became believers. They said to the woman, now listen to this phrase. I love this. We no longer believe just because of what you said. We have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the savior of the world. Notice this dynamic. Jesus and this woman have this very real conversation. She doesn't pretend, and he doesn't push her away because of the realities of her life. They have a real conversation. And then they get to a spiritual truth that God himself values authenticity and the ability of of people to be honest with where they are. And rather than that pushing him away from them, it draws them to him. In fact, he seeks people that want to connect and worship him in spirit and in truth, that there's this wholesomeness and this reality that draws the heart of God to people who can do that. That people who want to pretend and throw up uh, walls, that somehow builds barriers between them and God. And when people experience that kind of a God like this woman did, and they share this story, it attracts other people who want the same thing. And then these town people said, we don't just believe because what you told us, now we've experienced it for ourselves. And it becomes this kind of magnetic and energizing, momentum-creating force in the world when there is a place where people can, can come and be real. Where we can admit to God, we don't have it all together. When we can say, we get up every morning surprised that God would use human beings like us to partner with him in this world. Do you know the most surprised person in this church that I'm your pastor is? Do you know who that is? It's me. I get up and I think, God, I can't believe you give me the privilege to lead and be a part of a group of people like Four Corners. I've never known a church with the potential that this church has. I've never known people who have the quality of mission and heart like you guys have. I've never, ever in my life experienced. I've been in church since I was five years old. I've been involved in bigger churches and smaller churches, but I've never been a part of a more quality church who gets it. I've never seen volunteers like we have. I've never seen people who sacrifice like, and I've never known a group of people who are more real and down to earth and at the same time passionate about Jesus, like this church is. It absolutely blows me away. And the Bible tells us that that's the kind of heart that God loves. Now I want you to do something for just a minute. I want you to think about the people in your life. The people you know aren't involved in a church. Do you know why they're not? I mean, do you know any of their stories? I was with some family, extended family, just a few weeks ago. And we were talking, and they know what I do. And they were very nervous to be around a pastor. I, it's funny, I get that pretty regularly. They're like, we didn't know what to think or do when you came around. I'm just, you know, I'm, for me, I just think I'm a guy, but they think I'm something different sometimes. But at the end of our time together, they said, it was actually pretty easy to talk to you. See, they have this idea that if they're around people who are connected to Jesus in a deep and passionate way, that somehow you've got to put on a mask and pretend. I think that God is raising up our church to be a place where people will know quickly they can be themselves, and they can be accepted here. Greg, we talk about the, uh, the, the three Bs for us. Yeah. The, you, know, you, you, you come and you can belong, and then you begin to do some of the behaviors we do. Right. And then maybe you begin to believe. You want to unpack that for a sec? Yeah, it's a little different than <laughs> at least the, the church that we grew up in. And the church that I've, a lot of the churches I've seen around, they're, 
They're not all what I'm getting ready to describe, but you might be familiar with what I'm getting ready to describe. seems like a lot of places you go, if you want to be part of them, they kind of expect you to believe what they believe first. It's either you have to believe their creeds or their doctrines or believe in Jesus. And if you will believe, then they kind of expect you to start behaving in a certain fashion. Maybe you do or don't wear certain clothes, and you, you do or you don't do certain activities. And so if you will believe and then you will behave, once you get those two things in alignment, then a lot of times you can belong to that group or that congregation or that church. And one of the things we set out to do, and I was so happy to hear the volunteer teams as they sat around and talked about what they've experienced in this congregation is we've really tried to create an environment here where you can come and you can belong just like you are whether you've got your stuff in order or not, whether your life looks rosy or whether it's pretty dirty, whether you're following Jesus or you couldn't care less about Jesus, but maybe you just like loud music. Whatever it is, we wanted to let you know that when you came in this place and when you bring your families to this place and when you bring your coworkers to this place and your neighbors to this place, we're going to love them no matter where they're at. Because Not just because we're an institution that wants to love people, but because we really do love them. We want to accept them. They can be themselves. They can be real. And so what we've done with intentionality is try to create an environment around here that we think is really just a reflection of Jesus. It's not some yeah. great idea that we had. We wanted to let people know they could belong, and we know that they'll belong, and they'll hang around you guys for a little while and maybe start serving on a ministry team or maybe just showing up every Sunday morning here, even if it's you know late and they're straggling in and they barely got up. That some of the behaviors would start to change. They'd probably start sometimes reading their Bible. At least they'd see some Bible on the screen here. They'd probably, from time to time, maybe even consider a prayer or two. Maybe they'll start praying over their meal or, you know, during a rough time, just saying something like, God, I don't know what this is all about, but could you be with me? We know that their behaviors will begin to change. And then we know what will happen is exactly what the Bible says will happen. The Holy Spirit, whose job it is to draw people to Jesus and to convict them of their sins— that will begin to happen in their lives because they're in an environment that just supports this kind of natural journey that people go on. And we know that if they're around long enough and their behaviors begin to change, that the Holy Spirit will draw them and they will start believing in Jesus, which is really the beginning of, of living out the dream that God has for their lives. So with great intentionality, we tried to put in place this model of belong, behave, believe. And we were so grateful to hear that that's happening, and yet we're so hungry for more people that we know, more people that you know, to experience that environment where they can just be themselves and be real and, and begin to worship God, whether they know they're doing it now in a real, authentic way, knowing they can come to a place like this and not have to put on a mask when they show up, but come as they are, at least be in the environment, and maybe begin to consider what life with God could be like. Greg, two huge implications. I'm going to move on to the word love, but when we were around our family a couple weeks ago uh, out of this city and we were there with, with our mom and dad and our extended cousins, I had this thought that my family who were so uncomfortable with me and Greg being pastors, literally, like my uncle pulled me aside and he's like, seriously, we, we didn't know what to do when you guys came. I'm like, come on, guys. You know, it just, it just feels odd for me every time I remind you that. But my thought was how much our church would love our family. They were the nicest, friendliest, greatest storytellers. I, didn't, I never stopped laughing the whole weekend. 
and yet they wouldn't think at all. They, they would think that the building would collapse on them if they ever walked into a church. Yeah, one of, the, one of them actually said, well, I just I wouldn't go to church because if I went in there, they'd probably just laugh at me or make fun of me. And I'm thinking, we would take you on our guest services team. You would be the perfect person to stand out at the front door and say hi to people because that guy, oh. he's friendly, he's gregarious, he, he makes you want to talk to him. He's kind of like Bubba Jr., do you know Bubba here? <laughs> I thought he and Bubba, it would oh. be like the dynamic duo of guest services. Batman Robin, yeah. Yeah, one could like stand at the front of the hallway, one at the back. And if they were here every week, there's no way the church wouldn't, and, and, wouldn't and, succeed. And our cousin doesn't know that God put those gifts into him right. for a redemptive purpose in this world. He just thinks he's funny and nice. But I could see in him the potential of God. And I long, I wish he was near a place like this. Where people would say, no, just come, honestly. You'd be surprised how much you might enjoy it. And you'd be surprised how that people really do take you as you are. The other big implication for me is, is, is what we preach. Um, we really believe that when we started, and this was reaffirmed, that God wanted us to deal with real life topics. That he didn't want us to keep our messages so up here that we're maybe just simply theologically correct, although we're going to make sure they're theologically correct. But he also wanted them to be very practical and earthy. And so we deal with topics. In fact, we're going to be dealing with some really kind of down-to-earth, nitty-gritty topics over the last next couple months as we get out of this message series and the others. And every time we do it, somebody in our congregation who doesn't get it yet says, you know, I don't think we should be talking about stuff like that. And, you know, it, it's whether or not we talk about sex in marriage or a few Christmases ago, I talked about what a messed up heritage Jesus had, that when you read about his family in the Bible, they're messed up. We lost a family out of this church because I said Jesus had a messed up family heritage. And yet it's perfectly biblical. It's not like I made it up. But they couldn't handle the idea that somehow it wasn't an anesthetized, cleaned up version of history. They couldn't handle it being real. And when I see that kind of stuff happen, I think, man, I'm sorry for you because the burden of perfection you're carrying. But beyond that, it doesn't bother me at all if you want to leave over something like that because you clearly don't get it i just hope you get liberty and freedom somewhere else so how we interact with people and what we preach about the idea of being real is just a part of who we are and i think that god has shined special light on this to say to us listen four corners this is something i gave you seven years ago and you're rediscovering or i'm shining new light on it now Drill down on this. Get as real as you can be. Keep my word as clear as I gave it to people. Make sure that you don't ever set up these lofty ideas and these insider speak language so that it's only accessible to a few. Make sure that something about the way you do authenticity around here draws people in. Keep being honest with where you are. Make sure that you allow people to tell the truth and you look at them and you say, it's okay, God's not done with you at all and he's not done with me either. And it just, it pumps me up. Here, here's our second word. It's the word love. Now before I get to the Bible passage I want to look at here, do you guys remember uh, the apostles of pop, um, Paul and, 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 and John, uh, Paul McCartney, John Lennon, you remember them? Um, yeah. they, they wrote a song years ago called uh, Eleanor Rigby. Now, I don't know if you know this song or not, but this is a haunting song for me. It's about all the lonely people. Oh, look at all the lonely people. And the context of this song happens in a church. There's Eleanor Rigby, and she's standing outside a church, and people are throwing rice. It, there's obviously been a wedding. In fact, I think the lyrics are be on the, be on the, uh, the screen right behind me. And they're, they're throwing um, rice, and, 
and she is watching this stuff happen, and she can't even go out in public without putting her face on, and it's in a jar by the door. And the idea of, you know, she really makes herself up because who she is may not be acceptable. And that's happening right outside the context of a church. And then there's the minister in the church, and all this activity is happening around him, and he's busy darning his socks. You know, he's doing something mundane, and it's like all this stuff is happening around, but it's not connecting them at all. And then Paul and John sing, oh, all the lonely people, where do they all belong? I, mean, I hear that song, and it breaks my heart, because I know that God has a different picture for churches, a picture that for some reason our enemy, the devil, has been really good in blurring for people, that this is a place where love and connection is supposed to happen. It's supposed to be a place where our authenticity that we have, this real thing, allows us then to connect on a level that is real and personal and meaningful. Our hope is that when you come to this church and when your family and friends come to this church, they would experience the love of God and the love of God's people. That they would be able to be known for who they really are and, and that they would also get to know us. And that would become the fodder for relationships that run beyond just casual, hello, how are you? That it would be normal for people to adjust their calendars to build into relationships. That love would be really the way we do it. Now, sometimes in churches, I think that the disconnect happens because we focus on the wrong things. I don't know all of your church background. I love my heritage. There was so much good about it. They taught me a love for God's word. They taught me a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. No matter what happens in my life, that's a part, that's a bedrock part of who I am. But sometimes we missed a few things as well. I think we thought that the whole purpose of church was getting together and that if we could live right enough, if we could get our junk right enough, if we could get our life in line enough, if we could get holy enough, then people would look at us and go, oh, I want to be like you too. You know, if we could just get our lives perfect, the people would look at our perfection and go, that would be awesome. I wish I could be perfect too. Let me be a part of you. But that's not at all what Jesus said. The passage that I really felt God put in my heart when it comes down to this love thing is right out of John chapter 13. Right in your Bible, on the words behind me on the screen, here's what it says. Now listen to this command of Jesus. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, how does God love us? Right where we are. He gave himself. While you were still sinners, Christ died for you. That kind of love. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And now listen to this. this. This is the key for churches. When we get this right, it changes everything. By this, by this love you have one for other, uh, everyone, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if you're here and you're saying, Ben, I just can't seem to get my junk together, and I don't know that I can contribute, I don't know that I have a place here. I don't know that I belong because I can't make my life line up fully with the principles of Scripture. The gap between what God calls me to and where I am is so great, I can't do it. So I would just be a detraction away from the mission of the church. You couldn't be more wrong. God never said that people would know that we're His because our life was perfect, because we were holy enough, because we did it right. He said we would know, the world would know that we're his. Our light would shine the brightest. Our salt would be saltiest if we loved one another. This, this is what God wanted to do in the church. He wanted us to get a foretaste in marriage and a foretaste in the church of what real love looks like. Love that sticks with, 
in the middle of chaos. Love that draws hearts together. He wanted us to know that kind of love. And I believe that for you and for me and for everybody who doesn't believe they have a place in a church, if they could know love like that, that the spiritual walls would come down. Their hearts would open up to the full move of God in their life. If they believed that there were a group of people that could love them. Now, sometimes I envision our church as the metaphor I have in my head is that we're a hospital. And people come and they have all kinds of, of sickness Sometimes they don't know what's wrong. They just have symptoms. Sometimes they're very aware. Sometimes it's repeated. And sometimes because we're sick spiritually and sometimes emotionally, it's really messy in churches to love people. Listen, love is messy business. And yet it is our business. And when we press in and we let the love of God overshadow us and we love others through that lens, that is the thing that is the attractive force in church for a world that isn't yet quite ready to hear that Jesus loves them. I mean, if people can't love them, for some people, it's tough to believe that Jesus does. A God who they envision as perfect and distant, and maybe the God they even blame for what's going on wrong in their life. So God uses us to tear that falsehood down in their life. Talk about some of the language we heard around love, Greg, as we did these discussions. Yeah, people in our church had... Seem just experience, like we talked about at first, an environment where they could come and be themselves. But even more than that, they were really encouraged by the relationships that they began to form with other people. A lot of times that happened through serving opportunities. They would get on a team with other people. And especially if you're a guy, because you're able to get together and do an activity together, at least a semblance of a relationship begins to be formed. Conversations begin to happen. And Really, then, over time, relationships begin to form, and friendships then happen. And after friendships happen, the kind of friendships begin to develop where you can actually begin to share important things that are going on in your life and successes and failures, and really the kind of friendship that all of us long for, those kinds of things that begin to develop. And sometimes it wasn't happening just in serving groups, and other times it happened in some of our small group environments. Every year, we take three opportunities to get together and do small groups. There are three types of small groups you can get plugged into. Some of them are connecting groups where you get together, and the goal is just really to fellowship is the biblical word for it, to get together and be friendly with each other. There are also learning opportunities. We just did this really big learning group uh, in the, in the fall Love. called Crazy Love. Several of you, are, most of you are involved in a Crazy Love group. And it's out of those types of activities that friendships were beginning to be formed, and people were really feeling like they were genuinely loved and more than that, they were given an opportunity to begin a relationship with other people where they could love on them. And when needs would arise, just like they did in the early church, groups of people were able to come together and help supply resolution to some of the needs that were bubbling up in our congregation. That's been our dream since day one, that we would have the kind of community here in Cincinnati where we would love each other so much that when something happened in one of our lives, there would be relationships that we formed, hopefully in this community, where we could help take care of each other's needs, the real needs that happen in all of our lives. I think that's a desire that all of us have. We, none of us want to go through life alone. We all desire those, those sorts of deep friendships that really are the ones that you hold close when significant things happen in your life. And what we were excited to hear is that those things were happening here in the life of this church. If they weren't happening in small groups or in serving opportunities, a lot of them were really coming together around some outreach opportunities that we did. For a few years, 
we've been doing this thing called Washington Project, and a lot of the same people week after week would go together and go out in the community and serve our community. But in doing that, they were beginning to form relationships with each other, and friendships were beginning to develop where they could really begin to share life together. We really want to create an environment here where people can share life. We want to be real, genuine worshipers of God, but we want to love others. We want to be loved, and we want to love others. And we're finding out that that's happening. You, ever, you, you have anyone in your life that is the kind of person that if you, if you don't like them or you know someone that doesn't like them, it's on the person who doesn't like them? Like my mom's like that. If you don't like my mom, you are messed up. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> you, just, you can't not like my mom. What if we were the kind of church where people said that about us? Even if they didn't say anything else. Even if they didn't talk about how great the music was or how great the pastor was, they probably will say how great the executive pastor is. <laughs> but even if they didn't say that, what if the only thing they ever said about Four Corners is, that's the kind of church where if you don't like them, there's so much love there, there's got to be something wrong with you. That's the dream we have for this congregation. I think that's the dream that's beginning to develop in this congregation as well. Yeah. But that's what we all want to be part of, and, and that's what we're, we're doing here. Yeah. You know, this, this love thing is, is huge, but it could just stay in the air. It could just be this concept we have. So this last word for us really begins to capture it. It's the word now. Uh, we believe there's a certain amount of urgency in the work that God's called us to do. We've always felt that way. We've always said, go big or go home. That's always been our motto. But we feel that even more, that there's urgent. I believe that right now in your family, there are urgent things that need your attention. You have now things going on immediately in your family that need your attention. You may be attending or not, but they're that scope. They're that important. And we believe that now is a special word that God has shined extra light on for us, that there's urgency here. Now, I want you to look at a passage, 2 Corinthians 6, 2, very quickly. Here's what it says. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. There's this theme, there's this theological undergirding in the scripture that the stuff God wants to do, he wants to do now. There isn't this delay that even when he's not going to bring the answer you want, he's already working on it. He already set a time and a point for that to happen. A lot of people in the Bible have missed this. They, they've missed the idea that God is already at work and that he's willing and there's an urgency. There's a story of Martha who is connected to a guy by the name of Lazarus and he's passed away in the New Testament, a friend of Jesus. And in John chapter 11, here's what it says. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died, but then listen to her faith. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. You may feel like your time is past. You're too old or there's too much water under the bridge. Too much. God wants you to know that even now, he'll re-engage you. Right? There's, you, you haven't, as long as you're still breathing, he's not done with you. Even now, if you turn towards him. We believe that God has said to each person, there is a strategic place of service for you. And it has a certain amount of urgency connected with it. That you can have real love now, but as we as believers begin to unpack now, it's about literally engaging the work that God has called on you. And in that engaging of God's work in your life and in the world and in the church and in your community, that you begin to get transformed. That God does his work. It's discipleship is the word we've always used. 
that you begin to grow up as a follower of Jesus. And some of you, honestly, you're stuck. You're like a Christian for 20 years, but you're only 10 years old in your faith because you've been doing a lot of nothing for a long time. And the word of the Lord to you very clearly is, now is the day, now is the time to re-engage strategically serving in the mission of Jesus. And if you feel that your faith is hollow or stuck or not vibrant, there isn't a vitality to it. It could be a very simple turning of your mind, turning of your calendar to re-engaging strategic service. I think that for like my cousin that we met and for people in my neighborhood, they have no idea that God has already put a dream in their heart. He's already given them gifts and abilities and skills that they could leverage beyond themselves. And when they do it, the fire of God will be lit in their lives. And they'll have a sense of purpose and meaning and destiny that they've never known. I want our church to be a place where people discover that and we come alongside them and partner with them. And for some of them, it will happen in two weeks. For some of them, it will take five years. But we will partner with them the entire way to discover part of the picture that God has for them. That they aren't just on this earth taking up space, breathing in oxygen. They have a role. You have a role in God's world. It's a role I can't fill for you. And I have a role, and you can't fill it for me. But together, we become the body of Christ doing his work in this world. Look at what Acts 26, 16 says. And now, get up and stand on your feet. I've appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you've seen and will see of me. The specific passage was to a specific person in the New Testament. But the principle is the same. Get up. Get on your feet. It's time for you to walk in the appointment that God has for you. And if you're in a time of respite and recouping, and you're like in that hospital metaphor in a church we're talking about, that's fine for a period of time. But there comes a time when you take off your hospital garments and you quit wearing the robes of the wounded. And you put on the robes of righteousness, washed clean by the blood of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and you stand in your appointment. And it's time now. Now. And we want to help you do that. We want you to quit identifying yourself as the one that the church hurt, the one that the pastor let you down, the one where God didn't answer your prayer, and start walking in the destiny that he has for you it may take a long time you may take your entire life to fully unpack and in fact it will we want to help you and we believe you have neighbors and friends right now who have no idea they think that what their emotions are telling them is the entire reality of their life they have no idea that right outside of their emotion, right outside of their myopic view of themselves, there is a God who is huge and is saying to them, get up now, stand up. I have an appointment for you. Your destiny, your joy, your completeness, your fulfillment depends on you walking with me in the purpose I've designed for you. And some of you are discovering this. We see it weekly. It moves us to tears as we read the testimonies of people who say, I thought I was just taping wires so people wouldn't trip when they walked in. It seems mundane on some level, doesn't it? it saves us from lawsuits, which is good. 
But beyond that, they're participating in bringing clarity of message to what the gospel is in people's lives. I thought I was just holding a crying baby. Instead, they discovered that they were singing songs and bringing scripture over that child. Jesus loves me, this I know. Speaking words of hope right from the scripture over these babies and freeing up parents to have their hearts transformed. I have little patience for the wounded who seem to want to stay wounded. You know, my compassion index is a little low anyway. God's always working on me on that. It's just not my greatest gifting. But I feel energized that if you and I would take on our destiny and pursue it, it would probably change the tone of your life, honestly. I don't think that's an overstatement. Give us one or two comments about this idea of real love now serving in our place of destiny. Over the last few weeks, I guess last week, and we kind of set it up the week before, we've been talking about, and a lot of you have responded really well to this idea that we want to help you and the people that you love discover the destiny that God has for them. And I know something about you is true because it's true about me. You were wired, and you really want to know what your purpose in this world is. It's one of the things that kind of haunts you if you haven't already figured it out. What am I doing here? What, 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 why was I born? What's my, what am I going to do with the time that God's given me? We want to help you discover that. And not just you, we want to help the people you know and love discover that. I know that you have a deep longing in your heart, just like I do, to really worship God. But you don't want to do it in the fake way. You don't want to do it in a way that's not you. You don't want to do it the way I do it. You want to do it the way you were wired to do it. You want real, authentic worship with God. I also know about you, because it's true about me, that you want real relationships in your life. You, you want to love others, and you want to be loved. You want deep friendships, the kind that you can share those moments with, to lean on when you need someone to lean on, and to be there for someone else to lean on when they need someone to lean on. You want that in your life. I do. Everyone does. And you want to do something with the time that you've been given. You just want it to matter. You want it to make a difference. I want it. You want it. And the people you work with want it. And the people you live by want it. The people you go to school with want it. And we just want to help with that. We think all we're doing while we're doing that is really just discipling people. We think that's what we've been called to do as a church. We want you to help us do that for other people, but we need you to help us by getting them here. And if you're somewhere along that journey, we're going to continue to partner with you. It's not just about the new people that are going to come. We want it for you, but we want it for everyone in the greater Cincinnati area. I want it for everyone in the world. I want everyone to have that sense in their life that they know what real love now is, what real worship is, what loving others is, and what serving now is all about. I believe if you can get those three components true in your life and get some clarity around those three things, I believe you'll live a life unlike you've ever lived before with a certain sense of call and purpose that you can lay down at the end of the day, put your head on the pillow, and know that what you do matters, and you're living out your destiny and your call, and God's dream for your life is coming true. It might take time. It's probably not all coming true now, but you know that you're on the right path. We want that for everyone. I want it for you. Ben wants it for you, and we want it for the people you know and love. I know there's some people in my life that when I think about this and and what this church wants to partner with them to discover, I've got to get them here. You know, in the past, we've done 
these invite opportunities where we ask you to go to work, grab some invite cards, and invite all your friends, get them here, because we want to have a big number, we want to share the gospel of Jesus. All of those things were good, but I think now we've got clarity for the first time on exactly what we are trying to do. And so we're getting ready for, on January the 29th, another opportunity for you to invite people to come to church. But we're not going to ask you this time just to invite anyone. We want to ask you this week to begin praying about who it is in your life that you know they need to come and begin a journey with God to discover their destiny. We're going to tell you a little bit about that in one of your next bold steps. So why don't you do this? Go ahead and grab out your Connect card and let's look at some opportunities for you to take this week. Hey, like is a big value for us. We put a lot of stock on beginning the relationship with God. We feel like that's just, a, a, you know, one of the most important things, the most important thing that can happen in a person's life. So next step A says, I want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior for the first time. And we think going public with your faith is just huge. It frees up the individual who does it, and it witnesses to the power of God to those that haven't yet done it, and it encourages those who are already on the team. So next step B, I want to get baptized. If that's you, check those boxes and we'll be in communication with you but next step c i will pray now listen we don't want you to indiscriminately invite people which means the number of people you invite probably goes down but the quality of your your invite goes up i will pray and then invite someone to come with me to real love now sunday that's january 29 the last sunday of this month using and we're going to give you next week an ice scraper kind of like an icebreaker, but it's an ice scraper. It's cold. I had to use one this morning. We're going to give you one as a gift because we love you. And then we want to give you one to give away. It's just is literally a way to break the ice. Or somebody say, look, my church is giving these away. And I thought that maybe you would want to come with me on our special day. And uh, this will help you remember it. And it just simply says real love now on it. And uh, if you want to use that tool, awesome. We'll have them here for you next week. But most of all, we want you to pray. And if God puts something on your heart, someone specific, Grab an ice scraper and use it. And if he doesn't, hey, that's fine. That's between you and him. It's not an all call. We're just letting you know what's happening, all right? The next step, D. I want to lead a small group this semester helping people to know and be known. Like helping people know other people and get known. We can't make friendship happen, but we can create environments where friendships are likely to occur. We can't make people love each other, but we can create warm, welcoming environments where there's love that could grow, becomes the fertile soil. If you want to lead a group facilitating some really important information and also being sensitive to the people and building relationships, we feel like God may be right now tapping you to do that. Check the box and our leadership team will be in touch with you. And then finally, next step E, and this is a little vague on purpose because I don't know how to unpack it in your life. It simply says, I need to re-engage real worship. We feel like we can be real people coming to this place worshiping a real God. That there are people in your life who all they need to hear is that this is a church where you can have real love now. But there are others who need to know that they can experience real worship here. And if that's you, you just need your heart re-energized, check that box and open up your heart to God. And maybe even now as we begin to sing, do that. And over the next few weeks, bring yourself to engage God in worship and open your mouth and sing about him and let the truth of those words penetrate your heart and see if it doesn't re-energize something. So let's pray right now and do get ready to worship our great God. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your grace and your mercy. God, I want to thank you how you've been shining new light on old truth for us. And God, you've gotten our hearts revved up. I want to thank you, Lord, for testimonies like in the McCoy family. God, for a little five-year-old who has enough wisdom to understand that she wants you to be in her life. 
God, for people who are 50, who are rediscovering, you want to be in their lives. God, thank you for those that are joining your team and standing up with you. God, would you make us to be a place known by real love offered now? God, would you help us to be real worshipers? God, would you help us to love others with a supernatural love? And God, would you help us to be urgently about your business, taking our place of purpose and destiny in your world? We pray it all in the powerful and holy name of Jesus, the strong Son of God. Amen. Amen.